Yeah, it looks Man, nice. It's one of the benefits of having a, a video crew at the shop. Right, yeah, so that, that's good. your video background? Well, no, they came out to my house and they put some lights up so it looked semi-decent. <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah. It looks good. It really looks good. Thanks. Um, well, welcome everybody to uh, Tone Talk. This is our episode 36 with Dave Friedman and Mark Uzanski. And tonight our special guest is Robert Keeley of Keeley Electronics. Robert, it's a pleasure Howdy. to have you on. Uh, I've heard about your stuff for years and years and years, and it's a, an honor to talk to you, to have you on the show. Thank you. Man, thanks a lot. It's an honor to be with you guys. Very cool. Thanks. 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 And uh, Dave, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm now fully recovered from my... Uh... What well, where was I gone? I don't even know how far I was. I was gone six, five, six weeks, it five was, weeks. It was about five weeks. Yeah. Five yeah. weeks of, of doing clinic tours. Wow. U.S. US and Europe. U.S. and Europe. Yep. Yeah. Two, a little over two weeks on the East Coast and then uh, five days off and then got on a plane and went over to uh, Germany and the U.K. So, man, you, you and just maybe another guy uh, for these clinics? Uh, yeah, so a guitar player, an artist of ours went with us and uh, myself. And then uh, in Europe, we met our sales guy that we have in Europe. Uh, that is our own sales guy in Europe that we employ. Um, wow. And, uh, and on the East Coast, we met our uh, U.S. sales guy. Nice. So Nice. So, yeah, three people basically all the time. I, th- I think I met the guitar player at Sweetwater. Uh, no, you didn't. Not no. That was a different guitar player. Uh, okay, that's one of our guys we use for things. But this other guy is named Sammy Bowler. Uh, he's an incredible artist. I, I post a lot of stuff on the Facebook and stuff on him. Right. Um, I'll check it out. He's he's more of the guy that's the uh, you know the um can play the tracks and can do it himself. You know, and and really he has a solo record coming out. Oh, very instrumental cool. solo record. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, he's great. Very cool, man. Yep. No, I I've seen you uh, talk about uh, going on these clinic tours, and it's very very interesting. I think it's pretty cool. I tried to do a couple little things, and it it kind of takes a lot of stamina. You have to have a lot of stamina to be doing those shows, don't well, you? Well, it's yeah. not you know, it's not too bad. I mean, essentially, it just depends on how you know much time you can take away and mm-hmm. uh, how many you can line up. Uh, you know, and, and there's the clinics can morph into different, go different directions. You can just talk about your products. You can, uh, the ones we were putting on were more of a show for, for fans of your product and stuff. It was more, it was more of a question and answer after the fact with me and, and a, a little show with Sammy playing. Ah, uh, that's pretty cool. Was that for every, every one of those appearances, Dave, where the Q and A? Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. Except for a couple things in Europe, we just did <clears throat> videos at. With That's them, cool. we didn't do a clinic. So, um, and then actually in in Germany, we did a trade show. Also, we did uh, music productives trade show huh. that they do. It's sort of like Gearfest. Oh, okay. Sort of the same same type of thing. Like, they're, yeah, I was wondering what that was. Their own little was, Nam show, Gearfest kind of thing. I wasn't sure if that was like the GitCon or you know one of those no. things. But no. Okay. And on that one, uh, there were stages and stuff for live music. So Sammy performed twice a day, every day for three days. Wow. Yeah. So. Very yeah. Cool. Oh, that's cool. That's great. So what about you, Robert? You getting, are you in NAM mode? Getting ready for. Uh, 
We are in NAM mode, as a matter of fact. We got a. Uh, we got uh, seven weeks. <laughs> yeah, seven yeah. weeks. Yeah, and an infinite amount more to go on the American Express, trying to get ready for all this stuff. We're going to have our uh, biggest booth ever. We're going to have um, a twenty by twenty this year, and oh, wow. uh, I'm really looking forward to it because we've never managed that kind of space. I always felt a little cramped, so it'll be nice to you know try our hand at twenty by twenty, see if we can fill it up. The bigger wow. the space, the larger the check. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is definitely times two. Everything is times Yes. Two. Oh, my God. Yes, it's... Uh, it's. Uh, you want a yeah. backdrop? That's 6,000. You want padded carpet? That's 3,000, you know. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. And the padded carpet is a necessity if you're going to be standing around all, all oh, the time. Oh, yeah. I yeah. made the mistake one time. So, well, yeah. uh, for, fortunately, we're, since we're here, it's a little easier for us. Uh, you know, we can bring our own carpet and stuff far cheaper. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, really? I didn't realize yeah. that. That's cool. Yeah. 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 No, we don't. Yeah. We don't. We don't rely on them for anything. We bring everything. Yeah. Smart. Why not? Nice. But yeah, we right bring there. so much stuff. They, you know, charge you for all the union fees of assembly, which they do none of. They just watch you. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> but th- this year we got we got some great products coming out. I think I think if everything goes you know according to plan, we should have four new things out. So it's gonna be it's gonna be a great show for us. We're gonna have a bunch of people scheduled to play and on regular intervals at the booth. So we're really trying to make it kind of like a kind of a show, kind of a place where people can come and you know do some structured type play or you know. Structured right. improvising, you know, structured making it up as they go. But they're, they're going to be young, talented people, you know, rocking some of our new stuff. So that's great. Cool. That's great. Have you um, have you announced the products that you're releasing yet, or or that's to be in, to be seen? Uh, I, I have. I am not one known to keep my mouth quiet, so I am sure I have leaked it on, you know. Some some group or some forum, and uh, so yeah, I, I I think we have most of them out. Uh, we have a, a our first stereo echo pedal, and we have a um, distortion and uh, or a drive rather, and a delay uh, re- delay reverb combo. And wow. I'm excited about that one. We got a pedal that's that's uh, doing a synthesizer type thing. Oh, that's fun. And then, and then we, of course, we have uh, this incredibly uh, cool fuzz. So we got we got lots of lots of cool stuff that's actually coming down. Oh, so, cool. what's all that noise? Is that you on your end, Dave? Yeah, don't mind me. There's going to be a little bit of noise here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, sounds like some amp building going on. Unfortunately, unfortunately, they're actually putting a, a floor in the back of our shop here. And they're still here, so we might hear some of that. Yeah, I was actually going to say, so tell us about, if you have a second, Dave, what's all this uh, restructuring you guys are doing? Oh, just restructuring for some certain tenants that are going to be in our spot now. Um, so I just moved around my shop and uh, oh. made room and uh, lowers our overhead and, you know, fun stuff like that. I can't really say too much. <laughs> oh, okay. I had no idea. So, 
Yep. So, um, sorry, I'm dealing with something right now. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'll be done in a second. Um, no problem. Forgot oh, to do something. Well, keep keep telling me, Rob, Robert. So, yeah, the fuzz pedal is that a germanium? Is that a you know what's what's the deal with that? You know, right now it, it is it is a germanium based thing, but uh, what's really cool about it is. Um, the EQ, I, I ripped the uh, EQ idea from the uh, infamous uh, Boss MT2 because I'd been dying for, for years to have an extremely exaggerated um, bass and treble control on a fuzz. Hmm. And um, yeah. something that was completely unnatural, you know, and uh, trying to decide how to do it. Then um, we'd been playing with a bunch of um, emphasis and de-emphasis circuits for our new stereo delay. And um, it got me thinking about how to kind of shape the sound of this fuzz. And uh, so we take this, this like three transistor fuzz. We, we kind of carve it down to this cool mid range sound, but then we take this crazy um, gyrator circuit from the boss MT2 and Mm -hmm. We incorporate it on the end and man, it just, it, it just makes for some incredibly cool, huge, you know, blow, doom, blow up doom the sounds. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. And blow so down the wall. <laughs> it's one of those rare instances that only happen like once a couple of years where something kind of falls together really well in just a couple of days, you know, and uh, Creighton and I were um, as fast as we could, put out ideas and breadboard it, it was pretty much working. And, uh, and then the artwork came together and everything like that. So it was, it was much needed, uh, you know, success in that, in, in that kind of artistic slash engineering way. Cause. Um, that sounds really cool. Sounds like a great idea. Yeah, it is fun, man. Because, uh, you can get again you get these bass responses that are just huge you know what i mean mm-hmm. so um but th- the main thing that was really cool about this kind of idea is what i learned about or what i you know i'm starting to think i'm learning about is this these you know kind of tone shaping circuits where you de-emphasize something or you emphasize something then you apply some process to it in, in one case, it's been DSP, but in this case, it was the fuzz that was the process. And then, and then you shape it again on, on the output, um, and it, it, it really is kind of fun. It's a new way to, to play with sound. So this, this new fuzz pedal is kind of cool. It was actually, even though it has nothing to do with DSP, are, are playing with these uh, circuits that, that lower uh, noise. In, in digital circuits, mm. I, I kind of realized that that's kind of what they were doing in the MT2. And I thought, oh, well, this is really cool. I'll just, you know, strip away all the bass and all the treble from a fuzz circuit, make it real mid-rangey, and then do this, you know, emphasis circuit afterwards, this boss EQ, and it, it just came out great. So that's the kind of stuff that's that's kind of buzzing around the shop now. Plus, we have a bunch of new manufacturing stuff that we do now. So it's just been a, it's been a really, really busy year. 
Yeah, so I, I actually had read read about that. That so you recently had changed your your manufacturing. Can you talk? Tell us about that. Sure. Um, it started with uh, kind of all, all things that, that happen at Keeley Electronics. We get we get jammed up or behind on something, and I'm sure Dave knows all too well about all this. You get mm-hmm. you know some supplier does something, some something breaks, and next thing you know, you, you know you're looking to take on and solve the problem once and for all. And uh, our, our guy had for whatever reason up in Kansas that, that made our surface mount boards. Um, he got behind and it just seemed like I, I should be doing this anyways. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And uh, we should be making our own circuit boards. So I started looking into it and every time I looked into it, it was, you'd have to buy like a used machine it seemed like, and they were like 30 grand. It just seemed outrageously expensive to put together a, what's called a surface mount production line or a surface mount uh, technology, uh, you know, automated assembly. Um, So that's like the robot that's putting the pieces on. That's the ovens that are soldering it. And then lastly, you can have what's called a selective solder that goes and solders the parts that are through hole. And, um, so I started looking into it and it just seemed hard to put the pieces together. It seemed hard to um, see how all these machines interacted. So I started looking and I found this company called Mancorp and Mancorp specialized in complete turnkey systems. So then it was just a matter of negotiating, you know, a lease and a down payment because by the, by the time I gave them the numbers of circuit boards I wanted to make and gave them the the output i expected um it seemed like this line could do it and it it would make sense and so off we went on that adventure of setting up to have this you know bigger equipment in there and getting all the electricity the 220 for this and three phase for that and then we had to then we find out we have to get a nitrogen tank um for the (laughs) selective solder so next thing you know we've got plumbing of inert gas is going around the building and these, this huge tank. I mean, I don't know. It's gotta be, it's gotta be like 12 foot around cylinder or something of nitrogen. Um, so this, they came out. Um, we spent the summer receiving the equipment and setting it up. They came out and they trained us on it. And after the, um, three days of training, uh, we were making circuit boards just as they had promised me. And it was, it was entirely, you know, bad to the bone. It was really, really cool to see. And so, um, so we're, uh, we took a pause as we uh, started doing our designs. And in fact, tomorrow, I think we uh, officially fire up the, the whole thing and start making uh, boards start to finish uh, for our regular production, you know, not just, ironing details out but we finally got everything in line and and uh so yeah tomorrow we 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 take it out on tour <laughs> oh boy it's pretty exciting man um that is exciting. you know we, we we still build stuff by hand we still build fuzz puddles by hand and you know do all the stuff that's fun you know for me on that level but uh the stuff that has to be cranked out because it's you know a good or a common design and kind of a, a breadwinner thing I, I love taking it to the to the level where we're making the board 
I think it helps us make a better product just because we understand we have to understand the manufacturing process now. So, mm -hmm. so now we build, we, we actually build everything uh, in house now. So well, that's great. Yeah. You have more control. You have more control over your QC and everything like that. So, right. So I would and imagine. Theoretically. Yeah. Ken. So in theory, you know, we can get stuff. Are you doing boxes too? We don't. Oh, the, the cases. Yep. We have CNC's. I get the, I get the cases from China, uh, unfortunately, but you know, I get the cases in and then we do all the CNC. We got four CNC machines and then we, cutting um, cutting them or milling, yeah. milling them or whatever. Yeah. And then, um, and then we do the powder coating and the printing. Oh, so yeah. are they UV printed? They are. It is pretty cool. Is that how yours are your pedals yep. are printed? Yep. Everything, yeah. Panels, amp panels, all sorts of stuff. UV printed. Oh, and really? We, yeah, we, have two, we have two. We have two uh, Mamaki machines. That's what we have too. That, we have two that, of those. That, right? Yep. Yep. I, so all had, all those other pedals that Boutique Amps Distribution makes and all everything, it's all done that way. Mm -hmm. No, those Mamakis are great machines, aren't they? Yeah. I yeah. like them. They, there, um, there was a, the, I mean, I remember when uh, they first got them, there was a slight learning curve on what what they print on well, what materials they print on well, and mm -hmm. what, what materials they don't print on well. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? That's, yeah. uh, oh, well, look, yeah. I can scrape it right off. <laughs> exactly, man. We had these two Roland printers that I spent a fortune on, much more than I spent on the Mamakis. And those darn things every time they would update the formula and the programming, um, they would print on less and less powder coating. And every time you think, oh, it's a polyester with this kind of, you know, chemical composition will we'll work. And then you tried it next week and then it would stop working. And man, I, I think I, I paid a fortune for those printers. And oh, well, <laughs> I don't know. Well, I guess, I guess they learn. use them to pr print on telephone cases is maybe what they're good for, but. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. So, Dave, recently um, I saw someone post about one of your pedals. They were like, "Oh, it's it's made of plastic," and you're like, "No, it's just the front plate." Yeah, no, but it's it's it. Yeah, your pedal's made of plastic. <laughs> I'm like going, um, "No, it's a it's a die cast <laughs> box like every other pedal in the world." Right. Uh, you know it, it. It. You know, in particular, they were talking about it, the new one. Uh, it's got, it, it's even improved. It's got metal jacks. <laughs> it's got, uh, you know, uh, a heavy duty power jack, you know, just like most other things. Um, and uh, the plate that goes on top of the pedal is a, well, a, a metalized plastic material. It's the same kind of material we use on the front of amp panels. Mm -hmm. um, right. So, and which is UV printed on. Because it looks like the ant panel, and, yeah. and you can't print metallic paint. No, you, know, you can't UV print metallic paint. So, so the gold and stuff that we use on a lot of products, you know, it's you have to just you know, can't. <laughs> yeah, right. I wish we could. I wish we could, but we can't. I I, I really like the um the the panel or the plate that goes on your pedal. I think it looks great because it looks like the amp. Yeah, yeah, it looks like the amp. That was the idea. You know, do do I want to do that with every pedal? Maybe in the future there might be some other ones that are a little different mm -hmm. uh, because I think uh, maybe 
if I decide to do something a little crazier, maybe it doesn't really apply. It doesn't look right or something. I might, I might do something different, but yeah. Um, for the ones we've done so far. Yeah. I think it's a great look. I think it looks good. Yeah. yeah and you didn't have that for the, um, for the fuzz fiend or the, uh, no, the fuzz fiend were very classy, big, you know, mm-hmm. now you get your fuzz fiend tomorrow. <laughs> yes, I do. I'm looking forward to it by the way. Um, um yeah, but they're printed. It just says Friedman, Friedman logo on it, right? Yeah, oh yeah, that's a that's a metal badge logo. That's that's actually UV printed, but it's a little tiny metal badge that's screwed to the pedal. It looks really oh, cool. Oh, that's cool. I like that's how that's looked. But the rest of it was UV, I think. Yeah, or powder. Uh, it might have been screen printed on those for some reason. Anyway, doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> My pedals aren't plastic, people. Okay, got no, it. They're not plastic. Definitely not. What, I've been what, wanting. What I've been you, wanting to do. Did you a, think I'd make a plastic pedal first off? Didn't MXR learn that in back in there in the eighties? Don't make a plastic pedal. <laughs> or Ibanez. Although I think D- Ibanez did. Dan Electro sold a ton of those little plastic pedals, though. <laughs> Remember those? Oh yeah, the real yeah, the really cheap the bacon and eggs or whatever. The, little tiny. Uh, yeah, yeah, they sold a ton. Uh, of those. You know, hey, yeah, but it's but, also like twenty dollars. Exactly. Well, that's the thing. That was the, the the target market was much different. So, yeah. Um, hey, I got a question for you, Robert, from a really big fan. Um, his name is Robert, and I want to go ahead and, and pronounce his last name uh, correctly. Um, and oh boy. I think it's uh, and it's uh, no, I said Robert. It's a- Anthony Sagis. I'm so sorry, uh, Anthony. Um, I was looking at something else. Um, so he asked, and I think this is a great question. He'd love to know about your working process, how, how you go from concept to prototype to a finished product. Um, you know, and he said that the the compressors are what you you know what you've been known for. But he'd love to know the stories behind uh, some of your other pedals, like the Dino My Roto or the Dark Side. So before we go there, I'd love to know more about your process. And he talked about like how you had a real quick process with the fuzz pedal. Like, you know, is that, does that always happen or, you know, throwing the stuff at you? Sorry. No, it's great, man. The design process for me, I, I am, I have learned uh, that I am a, I'm, I'm a spaz. I don't, I don't track very well and things come in, in bursts. And um, I found it extremely beneficial to have people around me like um, Creighton and Aaron, and they helped me with the design work to get the ideas out or to apply some sort of, you know, material focus to, to the designs. But um, I think I'll get a lot of my ideas for the pedals as we're, as I'm driving around, as I'm moving around, trying to literally daydream about sounds. That's what I, I really like to try to force myself to do. How do I create new sounds? And how do I mix different sounds together to create something hopefully new or, and something useful? Mm-hmm. And uh, during that process, um, that you know, I kind of will flutter to other new ideas, and I'll take off on this tangent, and I want to get involved with these people, and you know, do a project with this guy, and do a project with this company. And so, thankfully, I've found some focus in getting these two young, you know, engineerlings is what I call them, junior engineers, to help me um, materialize these things. So the process is us talking about sounds or something that I was, uh, you know, 
enamored with or, you know, over the moon about and, you know, bringing it to them and trying to figure out how we can materialize it. Mm. So that's, that's how the design process has really worked. Sometimes it's, it's, it's much more, um, it's a little more clinical than that when you're trying to run a business. So you have to think in terms of, um, what sells, I mean, a, a tube screamer sells. So at some point in time you come up and you go, dang, I got to make a tube screamer, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and, and then, and then after, you know, after a while you're like, well, it's time to make a tube screamer again, you know? So there's lots of ways to look at the tube screamer thing. And, um, but so some, sometimes I design for, for trying to fill out my product line because I'm, you know, in my head, I'm trying to, you know, make this nice complete product line, you know, and, and, and fill, you know, check, check a lot of the boxes um, as we acquire new skills, you know? So um, it, it kind of works like that, you know, that uh, some things are necessity. Some things are, are just kind of my fancy or, you know, something I think is a great idea this week, you know? Right. 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 So, um. But yeah, that, that guy, uh, his name was Anthony. Asked the question. Anthony, Anthony Seguise. Yeah, Seguise. He had he had a second part though. So that's that's kind of the design process. I mean, on a on a clinical level, um, I'm like, it's either in one of two worlds. It's either in the more analog, say, drive world, or it's it's in the DSP world. So I'll you know, depending on what's going on, I might be, hey, Creighton, you know, what. You know, do we have any fuzz boards that we can, you know, add a, you know, second stage to easily? And I was like, I was thinking about this idea here and I really want to hear what it sounds like if we do this. Mm-hmm. Can you build that or, you know, what are you doing right now? As he's inv- involved in a million other, you know, projects, setting up our pick in place and finishing our other circuit board designs. <laughs> or if it's if it's a DSP design, then that's a that's kind of a different process because that's that's like painting with you know i don't know technicolor or something like that because you because if you can if you can understand the math of what's going on with a certain sound then it's it's pretty easy to do dsp programming and if you have you know as long as you know the you know uh that type of uh, conversion process like how do i apply this kind of filter how do i add this kind of delay how do i sum these things in this fashion then DSP is and daydreaming about sounds like that is totally, you know, fun. Mm -hmm. And it's very, very rewarding because it would be cumbersome or impossible to build some of the circuits, you know, some of the unnatural reverbs, you know, they just, you you just couldn't do. So it, so the design process goes kind of like that until, you know, then we have, you know, meetings and we discuss, you know, which of my ideas we're going to go after, you know, what about the last time you had a good idea? What are we doing with that project? And then, you know, it gets to the point where I'm like, Hey, order, let's order some five sample boards to see if this thing works. And, you know, and it it continues to get refined like that. Like uh, we like to push ourselves. So the um, we are, you know, every single day making, uh, developments on our stereo delay platform you know every day we're trying to solve some new challenge or problem where it doesn't quite uh, fit the bill yet it doesn't meet all of our expectations so um, the design process is a lot of like 
well, what, you know, what's, what's making that thing click, you know, what's, what's going on here with this circuit? Why is that thing reading the expression pedal control wrong now, <laughs> you know? And so <laughs> the design process is a lot, lots of that kind of stuff, you know, where you're just uh, troubleshooting and stuff, you know, that's, mm-hmm. that's kind of where we are. So mm-hmm. that's cool. Um, yeah. The second part of his question was he wanted to know more about uh, certain pedals like the Dino, Myroto and the dark side. Yeah, I would, I would love to know more about the dark side. Um, so, so I, I, the first time I thought he he asked about the the Dynatrim, but the Dino Myrotos is really cool because that that was uh, again in DSP we were able to do a tri chorus, and uh, I, I, yep, after the it wasn't stereo though, darn it, but um, mm-hmm. but uh, we could do that now. We can do it now. <laughs> um, but no, that had the, the, uh, the Dino my piano. Dino two. <laughs> yeah, Dino two. Deluxe <laughs> Dino two. And then yeah. so <laughs> Deluxe. So, yeah, well I, I got a bunch of deluxe pedals in my head rolling around. Yeah. That's twos. So um no the, the Dino My Roto features a, a roto flange and it features our uh what I'm really proud of that's also in the dark side. So I was wondering if Anthony was talking about that is our, our rotary speaker stuff, I think is particularly good. I think I, um, that one is one thing that I'm really proud of, of our sounds um, because we have spent a lot of time talking about the um, difference in, in the woofer, you know, that's spinning at one speed and then the tweeter that's rotating up top. And what does it actually sound like? instead of uh, just looking at, you know, just those two sort of, you know, phasery type, you know, pitch shifting effects in a more clinical sense. So we're trying to create some room dynamics then with our rotary simulation and how far is the guy standing away from it. So those, those type of things uh, on the Dino My Roto were, were fun to develop. And uh, we also have a, uh, a rotary in the, in the dark side. So those things, uh, those things are, are fun. What's nice about the dark side is it kind of shows a, a mixed signal uh, design for us where half of it's an analog fuzz and then half of it's this, you know, kind of all the effects that David Gilmore would, would use. And uh, that kind of sprang from, from the Monterey where we're mixing a fuzz and a bunch of Jimi Hendrix type effects. Right. So th- those kind of, I don't know. Around the shop, I, I, I call them our artist series pedals, although we don't have any endorsements or anything like that. But where, where you're trying to capture all the sounds of the artist, uh, yeah. the artist. Mm-hmm. But it's not it's not like I'm trying to make uh, to limit it to that. I'm actually trying to look how I can put these sounds together and and do something a little new or fresh with them is what I'm hoping people do. I'm hoping they're not just for, you know, replication and stuff like that. Right. With the, with the dark side. Pleasantly surprised that uh, Kenny Greenberg, who's a Nashville ace and plays with uh, Kenny Chesney and just a big studio, you know, session guy rather. And he said he's got like three different dark sides out on different rigs that he records with and writes with. And, and uh, so it's kind of, kind of cool where these, these concepts of putting certain sound packages together, you know, then it jumps outside the genre that it was intended for, you know, right. A country national guy is playing the effects and, and you know using those rotary effects in, in those two. So that's cool. Yeah, I love the idea of um, you know the Monterey pedal 
you know, Hendrix in a box, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, and then obviously the dark side having, you know, Pink Floyd or, or Gilmore. I'd love to see a Van Halen in a box, like a distortion mm-hmm. with a, with a phaser. And maybe tell me front, all about it, you know? Um, so, you know, I'm going to have to talk with Dave on these things because he's, he's a toned sculptor of, of those type of tones. But, but when I, when I start to think about the Van Halen pedal, a Van Halen esque pedal. It yeah. it's really pretty cool because I imagine this thing that that has not only like the stereo uh, reverb effect, right? So so when you if you ran it to two amplifiers, you could create that same imaging. That would be a basic necessity. I for me, I really like, of course, it all, so you have to have, be able to turn off on and off a phaser too. So you got another switch right there. Mm-hmm. Then you have to be able to quite easily go to a flanger. So that, that phaser flanger thing has got to be, you know, switchable. So you got a modulation section, mm-hmm. but then in my mind, I want to do something like cathedral and I've spent a lot of time with my DSP. Yeah. Guys, but see, but, then you'd, you'd also, also have to have an echoplex kind of sound in there. Well, of course and, I was getting and, there. And, and, you're right. <laughs> and a cathedral type sound. So essentially what you're saying is it's this big. I know, and that's the problem with it because yeah. I get too excited about it. Because, like you, you know, you could call out a million little nuanced things that are so critical to that mm-hmm. Van Halen enjoyment. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I couldn't do a Van Halen type of pedal without being able to do that dual delay and chorus type thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that ADT type stuff on on that. That yeah, and, then, and then depending on which era, then you got to do the detune also. So depending, uh, yeah, you're yeah, yeah. that's but, a well, lot. I really, I would really like to do it, but I don't know <laughs> anyone's appetite for a for a long thing. And and you know, I, I get kind of discouraged actually when I see these things like campers or whatever. I saw um, one of my favorite demo guys, Brett Kingman. He he demonstrated something, and I don't know. He caught me in a mood where I was just like, damn, that sounds so ridiculously good. <laughs> and I thought, I thought, shit, there's no reason to do a pedal if you can just dial it up like that, man. And yeah. so I go in and out of, you know, wanting to do the, the Van Halen pedal. I think it would be a nice challenge though. Is actually where, where I'll probably end up doing it one day because like you said, you know, the, the size of the pedal, it gets kind of big and, and stuff like that. But, Mm-hmm. It sure would be fun to have a, a rig that you could plug your guitar in. You got the Echoplex, like Dave said. You have the the, the flange and, and phaser instantly available, and then you got the uh, the, the, the stereo outputs. Yeah, and, and so and then the the detune part. Yeah, but that's yeah. already at like four stomp switches, so it's already at like you know twelve yeah. inches wide or something. It's kind of silly then. Damn. <laughs> 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 It goes from being a cool idea to being silly. Yeah, I get it. I get it. He also Anthony had also suggested uh, an edge in a box. You know, the edge in a box, which would be cool. now that <laughs> that would be a little easier. Probably, that'd be a little easier, I think, too. Unless I'm naive, but which is probably the case. But I think that I think that one might be kind of easier. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah I would imagine definitely. Um, well, that's cool. No, that's really cool. You know, I mean. Robert, I've heard about your stuff um, really since I started playing and since I got into it because I, I, you did you start out modifying pedals? Is that really where you – I was going to go here. Why don't you go back and tell us how you get started in this uh, this dumb yeah. business? 
Sure. <laughs> Man, I, I was I, – that's so cool that you asked. Um, I, I, I was uh, – I played guitar as a teen, and uh, my dad and mom got stationed in Germany, so I was in the 80s. Right as like Ingve exploded on the scene and Steve mm-hmm. Vai was doing stuff and I, I could not get enough of all the, the guitar tabs. So I was learning Al Demiola and to, trying my best to learn Tony McAlpine and all this stuff that you would do in the eighties if you were into guitar. If it was if it was in that guitar for the practicing musician magazine, I was I had already read it, you know, thirty times. So um and when I after four years for that assignment, we got transferred here and, and Oklahoma was the next uh, stop after, after Germany. Mm-hmm. And so I just took up roots here. Um, I, there was no music scene in Oklahoma when I got here in 1988, 89, none. <laughs> it was there a dust- yeah. It's, it's, I, I don't know if it, it would be a uh, known on a national level as a music scene, but there's, it's 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 modernity around here now. I mean, it's it's a it's a nice place to live now, but in 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 the eighties, it was a dust bowl of of just nothing, and <laughs> and it just nothing had happened, nothing had developed in many years since the last oil boom. So I I had to I had to do something for a living, and that's where I started getting into stereo stores, and I worked at audio shops and hi fi shops, and we did car stereos and home stereos, home theater systems, and. Uh, at the time, all those guys from the seventies were, had been in the stereo store. So they were, they were all these cool guys that knew all the great tube equipment and hi-fi stuff. So I got to see and work on a lots of uh, great American and British hi-fi and then tons and tons of Japanese stuff. And that's where I kind of got a lot of the basics. while I started going to engineering school and then I worked for an engineer who designed all the glamour shots equipment and oh, really? all that, all that photography stuff. Guess what he did? He modified the Sony's and Panasonic recording equipment and camera stuff to be able to capture and get that look. So we were making our own circuit boards. We were modifying gear and uh, you know, that type of stuff. So that, that my next job kind of got that kind of stuff in my head. And then I worked for another guy at another stereo store after that, as I finished up my degree and uh he was kind of one of those guys that was a real uh, entrepreneur type business guy that was really into the development of the people in the company. So and then I got this, I don't, I don't know what, what the best way to characterize it is, but I had this, this boss that was all into doing exactly what it would take to be the, the best, the best you can be, you know, <laughs> like the, I don't know. So he was, he was really into fine tuning people. So I got all that kind of stuff in me. And at that time, as he's encouraging us to be entrepreneurs and to, to do what we want to do. I was, I discovered uh, the Bender uh, Tweed Deluxe and uh, my landlord at this little, you know, 600 square foot house comes up to my house one day and he's holding in his hand. What I later came to find out was a, a, uh, a 19, uh, 1960 uh, Fender, Fender oh. Deluxe. And uh, this was a 5F3 circuit. And I was reading the, the Gerald Weber uh, Kendrick books and I was, I was getting into it. And all of a sudden my landlord gifts me this, this tube amp. Oh, and wow. I, was, I, went, I went from a PV deuce to a 
offender. And I was so hooked, you know, yeah, that's all I could think and breathe. You know what I mean? It was right. two bands. I thought you were going to say your, I, th- I thought you were going to say the uh, landlord, you were playing too loud. That's what oh. I thought. <laughs> that's right. Where you thought you were going. This old guy named Bill, coolest, coolest dude. And, uh, you should. You just had to imagine. I was, I was reading these books, and I was trying to modify my PV to, you know, take out the feedback loops. So I could see if I like the distortion sound better, you know. And and I was just trying my best to get onto this thing. But I'm reading about all these, you know, '50s fenders and stuff. And I kid you not, my landlord walks up to me and literally says, "I found one at a garage sale. Here you go." Oh, nice. And <sighs> and. That started, that was just like, you know, giving me crack. So I was, uh, (laughs) I totally got into it and started uh, taking, then I'd go to flea markets and I'd find chassis and I'd start building tube amps from the chassis. So I'd look for ones that had like six V sixes or six L sixes. And then I take up that stuff and see if I had the right amount of preamp tubes to do something cool with it. And I built a couple of those and I tried to, I thought I was going to try to go into building amps. But uh, I, I couldn't figure out how to put the money together to to grow a business at all, and that's that's when pedals came in. Pedals were real easy because you you have a fraction of the amp cost in, into into parts, yeah. and um, you know it doesn't weigh a ton and blah 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 blah. And I got really lucky, you know. I I I got it in my head to build one and to see what it sounded like, uh, you know, a Ross compressor clone, and I said. You know what? When when I when I finally heard it all put together, I was like, "This is freaking heaven!" And I I put it up on eBay, and it immediately sold. And so then I used that one to buy parts for the next two, and did that. And by the end of the year, I was like, I don't know, I think I was six to eight weeks back ordered, and you know, hiring my students that were <laughs> that I had, you know, uh, to build pedals. So I was. You know, I wow. teach them in the morning and then, then they go home with a box of parts and assemble compressor boards and, and compressors. And then I was like, after a year of teaching school, after I got my degree, I was like, I'm out of here. I'm doing pedals. You know, this is, it just exploded, you know. So you started off with the compressor. which, and, which and the is- mo- Yeah. And then the mods followed, but go ahead. Yeah, exactly. The compressor. Yeah, that's what, that's really what you kind of became known for was the Keeley compressor, right? So. Yeah, I, I you know very very grateful the the compressor and uh, the compressor you know, and then all the mods. Right. The mods were the mods on, were really cool on mods, because on mods. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We you're exactly right. We would order 120 DS ones at a time. Yeah, you know, <laughs> and and uh, man, we had a lot of fun with those things because that was early enough in the day where I I got to actually you know work with. Joe Satriani and Steve Vai and, you know, exchange maybe an email or two or a phone call once with those guys. But that was, that was good enough for me. And, uh, did, you know, did some of the early mods for them and, uh, kind of with them in mind or, you know, at least the thought of them in mind. So the mods, mods were in the beginning because again, I'd saw on this Japanese gear, however simple it was, I'd see how they would use diodes for, they would use LEDs for clipping. And yep. before I knew about the TS9DX, uh, TS9DX, I thought, man, we could we could just switch out diodes and we could switch out caps and do all this stuff. And sure enough, those little toggle switches and stuff like that was was all kind of new. And it allowed people that 
had a sound that they already were familiar with, you know, they already mm-hmm. knew what a tube screamer sounded like, but they, you know, for like, you know, 50 bucks, they could get another new sound added to it. And yeah. so it was, it was a great, it was a great way to start uh, building pedals by just yeah. making those. Yeah, I remember mods. using a bunch of those modded uh, tremolos that you did. Oh yeah. That, the that volume pedal. control thing was, was pretty cool. That one. So what I did, I was in, you think I actually like that MT2 pedal, but I was in the MT2 and I noticed that dual gain pot that they used in there. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I knew I could, I looked at the values of that thing and I was like, yay, I can stick this in the TR2 and make it look like a boss product. And with that cons- dual concentric knob. And uh, so then they were like wondering why you order so many parts, you know, of, of these <laughs> potentiometers, because we're always out of stock, you know? And I was like, no, no, I'm modifying them. You know, I'm using this part for something. And after we got over that, uh, understanding that I just wanted to source a bunch of those parts. They were happy with it, but um, that, that TR2 mod was kind of fun. Yeah, very simple. Yeah, super simple. Did Boss ever approach you after you were doing all these mods? Uh, you know, either A to ask you to stop or B partner with you. I'm curious how that how that works. The answer is A to ask me to stop, and then it went horribly right and. Uh, and then they allowed me to start modding them. So at a summer NAM show down in Austin, you know, one time they had it in Austin mm-hmm. and um, uh, the head of uh, boss Roland invited me to, uh, to one of those boss parties because at the time, I hope I don't make any mistakes here, but at the time we were, I think like the second or third largest independent dealer of boss pedals. We bought more boss pedals than anybody except for like a guitar center or a chain. Hmm. We were the, we were the largest single, you know, store. I believe it. So I got, I got invited to this boss party. And then next thing I know, he was having a serious conversation with me and he was saying, uh, but Robert, the problem is uh, we have international dealers that uh, are concerned about having to perform warranty work on, on the products after you've, you've modified them. And, and they don't like the fact that you're sending the products overseas into their territory. Hmm. And he says, so what, what, so, you know, because of the warranty issue. And I said, well, the first thing I said, this is the way I thought about it. I said, the first thing I did was I voided the warranty and I took on all the responsibilities for repair, you know, when I modified it. That's, so what, I I was, didn't, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. 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 And so as soon as he heard that, he was like, Oh, okay. So, no warranty uh, repairs for, for any of these things that you modify. And I'm like, no, nope, I void the warranty. Mm-hmm. He was perfectly happy with that. And he was like, okay, you can keep on modding them. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Yeah. Well, that's, a, that's easy enough. Yeah. That one worked out good. That's good. That's good. Yeah. So, um, so like what was some of your biggest modded pedals that you, that you did back in the day? Yeah. The, the, the tube screamer and, and the DS one and the blues driver, those are the big ones. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, things like the, the SD1 and the MT2, those kind of came in there. I'm sure we did a lot of rats and we did a ton of wall pedals. Wall pedals are another thing that, you know, they're big, bulky, and they're always breaking. <laughs> right, exactly. Oh, my gosh. So getting in the getting in the wall business is only for people that like to hurt themselves. <laughs> I'm in the wall business now. <laughs> I was going to say days in the wall business now. Well, more power to you. I wish I could be, but... It it seems like that's a tough business. <laughs> oh, let's so. hope let's hope it's not. 
I mean, hopefully, do, do, do you have, I'm sure you've, you found out where, you know, being happy with the, the price of your cases or something. I, I don't know what your pedal looks like. Yeah. Um, is, no, is it your like own case? Law. No. Traditional law? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I always wondered about uh, manufacturing on that case because I would have the tendency to want to add some switches and to have it do something, this or that. And uh, so I would have to do a lot of a lot of machining on it, I think. <laughs> you know what I mean? Maybe I should get a mold done. But... Mm. So yeah, have you been – That's what we been... did. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, so. Gotcha. But th- those, those, those pedals were popular, you know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's doing that, really that, well, actually. That's is good. That, yeah, that it just came good. out. It's doing quite well. Is that released this year? Uh, yeah, it was released uh, the November. Uh-huh. Along oh. with the... Uh, no, uh, wait. A little earlier in November. Was it October we released it? Oh, hell, I don't know. <laughs> October yeah, we released it. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, and then, then uh, the other pedals got released uh, just uh, a few weeks ago. 19th right 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 so robert when taking this take us back also so at what point did you start going from modifications of pedals to your own line of pedals and and did you stop modifying pedals are you still doing that or yeah we we have completely stopped modding pedals Mm. it just um i don't know how i made money doing it i think because we had such so much volume but um, it, it's it's just not what I want to pursue. But the the original product line started off really slow. You know, it had the the katana, which was just a simple um, two transistor circuit with some FETs and some voltage doubling, and the, those that and the compressor and the a Java Boost, which is just a Dallas Rangemaster, were the products for for a long while. Um, I had a guy with me that helped develop a tap tempo phaser and we had a overdrive pedal. And um, then I, then I found myself in this like mortal combat divorce. And in order to pay the bills of the divorce, that started me off on a design kind of frenzy. And in that process, great. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So in that process, I realized that the mods were slowing us down. I couldn't build enough pedals and I was sitting there toiling away on, on these mods and shipping them back and forth and stuff like that. Um, so that's, that's kind of how the mods, you know, fell, fell by the wayside. It just wasn't practical anymore to receive somebody's pedal and, and modify it and, and send it back out and, and that type of thing. When I was having much more fun, trying to put together a tube screamer and you know, my first chorus and my first delay and stuff like that, that was much more interesting than modding a tube screamer, you know? Right. So I was like, what the heck with that? So that makes sense. Right. Yeah. So, so our, 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 what I call our phase two of Keely electronics or the rebirth of Keely electronics or whatever you want to call it, that kind of started in 2012 and then, started picking up steam, you know, by 2014. And by then it was, we had, we had printers and we had a CNC and then it felt like we could do anything because we, we were, we could get a board in, in a couple you of got, days. You got past the divorce. We got, we got past the divorce. Yeah. Yes, there you and, go. And, and 
it was time to pay off all my IRS debt and all my other problems. And, and, and so we had to, we had to do that by making lots of new stuff and we had to keep on, you know, you can't, you know, do that with just tube screamers or just blues breakers or something, you know, so you have to stretch and, and that's where, that's where we developed a lot of our skills for, for, for our designs that we do now, you know, Mm -hmm. but the mods are too slow, man. Three times a day. I'm not even joking. Three times a day, we get an email in one form or another, Facebook, somebody says, I can't quite find out where to click to modify my own tube screamer. <laughs> and I have to tell them, man, I'm sorry, we don't do that stuff anymore. Right. Well, there's still guys out there who do. Yeah. No, there's lots of cool mods. I I, I go down the rabbit hole sometimes and I'll be just looking around and I'll follow somebody's uh, mod work and they do all kinds of cool yeah. stuff. Mm-hmm. these days you know what i mean it's the, the there's all kinds of cool stuff going on yeah well adam we had an analog man on mike oh, yeah. so he still does a lot of modifications on pedals and stuff like that too so oh yeah um good. we had a, a question a top chat question with a donation to our channel thank you um and i think this is a the question for dave did you get yeah. did you see the question dave i'm looking at it right now yeah okay so uh, essentially, uh, Mark asked, uh, I noticed that you posted some clinic photos of both the Fryat power station and the UA Ox uh, with your amps. Uh, which do you like best for attenuation, feel, et cetera? Um, really, in both the photos that you're talking about, we weren't using them for any attenuation. Uh, we were using the UA for a direct feed uh, for the video we were doing. Um, so we weren't, it wasn't attenuated at all. And the Fryat power station was being used as a power amp for a wet cabinet in, uh, in the other picture. Hmm. So, uh, we weren't using it, but for an attenuator, the Fryat power station is pretty great. I mean, it's hard to compare the two. UAOX is kind of an attenuator. Traditionally, Fryat power stations is more of a load and a power amp. Uh, Fryat, I feel is for just, uh, Doing that kind of attenuation works maybe even better, or it gives you some more options. The UA is a whole nother beast. I mean, that's like a great recording beast to, to you know record uh, with you know uh, speaker emulation and different cab models and all the stuff they have in it. Uh, how does it compare to my master volumes? I mean, my master volumes work really good down really low to really loud. So. Um, <laughs> I mean, if you have a non-master volume amp, let's say an old Marshall or something, like an old 100-watt 70s Marshall, uh, the power station is going to really do you really well. I mean, But both products have their pluses and minuses. So they're both great products. I'm using a power station right now with a um, – I've got a like an old, like an old-style Fender uh, Vibralux, Vibraverb yeah. kind of thing. Um and it doesn't have an effects loop on it. And so now I, I turn it up. It's a nice, nice little drive, have the effects loop on it with the Fryat power station. And yeah. it just sounds glorious. Fryat power station is a Swiss army knife. There's a whole it bunch is. of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> really so, quite, quite cool to have floating around. It is. It's a good thing to have. I agree. Yeah. Um, my cousin came over and saw it and he listened to it and he said, okay, I have to get that. <laughs> it's like that that's it sold Ding, yeah um 
So, Robert, we've got about 175 people watching the show right now. Nice, nice. Um, lots of good questions are floating by. I'm going to go back in the chat. Uh, we've got Reza on in the chat. What's up, Reza? Um, Brian Cote. Um, and then Big Mac asked the question. He says, bass player here, always played straight. Can you recommend something to get started with effects? The Dino Myrota we talked about earlier. Sounds really amazing on bass. Oh, cool. There are some there are some really cool chorus sounds on there, and that one is always uh, something I, I turn on or let a bass player come over when they don't have any effects and they hear it and they go, "Oh, that's why I need that. I need that sound right there." Mm. You know, and our, our bass our bassist compressor is is really awesome. It's a precision tool, and so if if a bass player is used to uh, using compressors for part of their sound, they love it. But, but I, th- I think something like the Dynamite Roto is is perfectly uh, perfect starting place where you get lots of effect, you know. Or our Seafoam Chorus, it has a bass mode as well. There's a little uh, switch, and you can put it in. And we designed a bunch of effects just for bass uh, hmm. on that pedal. So, see, my mind went went right to fuzz for some reason, but uh, other, but your options were. Or cool too, definitely. Well, man, that that one's kind of personal. I, I don't know if I could do any justice by telling a bass player a, a specific one fuzz sound that they might, you know, for their first effects pedal. Mm-hmm. No, I don't know if I could do that. But I think most bass bass players could appreciate a nice tri-chorus sound, making their bass sound all lush, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. fluid. Yeah, that's awesome. So there's one question I saw for you, Robert. Uh, someone L. Scott Music asked uh, about the Sweetwater Omniverb pedal. Yes. W- what is it derived from? What would I expect from it? This is question. Nice. That is, keep it as simple as possible, Robert. Sweetwater wants uh, a delay. It's just a two-knob reverb. It's just a two-knob reverb. And mm-hmm. I tried my hardest to talk them out of that, but, I, but I'm like, but I can do this and I can do that. The other thing they're like, no, we just want a simple reverb. And so that's what it's kind of born from is, is the demand for a very simple, you know, like a plate or a hall or what is it? It's, it's, it's all three. It's, it's a spring, it's a plate and it's a hall. And if I'm not mistaken, if it's not a hall, it's a, it's a hall, I think. And, um, uh, keep it simple. So we, we, we focused on, just making sure that uh, it did, you know, blend and uh, depth really well. So yeah, I um, like that idea. <laughs> <laughs> it is fun because you can't you can't get to jacking around with it. So it literally, yeah. if, if I'm if I'm going to bring a couple pedals with me to a a hotel or throw in a little bag for travel, then I'll force myself to do something like that where it's nice and simple, so I don't have to overthink it and. Mm-hmm. stuff like that so the omni reverb but for sweetwater has been really cool nice and cool. simple so that's a sweetwater exclusive uh it is it is okay. sweetwater exclusive uh-huh that's cool. cool i also like how you did the uh the dan and mick pedal the dnm pedal now that 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 was a, a a great success i wish everything turned out like that those guys um brought to me what sounds that they wanted in a box, I would have not put those sounds together and I would have, you know, not thought to do that at all. And uh, that's one of those things where I'm like, Hey, I want to work with these guys. These guys had this idea to put these, this pedal together. 
and we can put their faces on it and blah, 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 you know, mm-hmm. but it was, it was their ideas uh, for the, how they wanted the, the, the each half voiced exactly. They knew, they knew exactly what they want from years of playing those, those sounds. And so I, I put that package together and then uh, Daniel Steinhardt wanted to have the ability for the pedal to be broken up. So we came up with this little uh, switching system for, for routing the, the pedals. Mm-hmm. And we, we use that in, in every dual pedal design since. So that's that on so many levels has been uh, really ace for me is just um, working with those guys. Cause it's nice and simple and no drama. And uh, you know, um, the that's pedal sells, nice. yes, I know. And the pedal sells really well. And uh and it allowed us to do something. It, I finally, you know, I not finally, I got the benefit of working with somebody else in that I wouldn't have pushed to do the, the signal routing like that. And and I've, it's been a benefit for, for our other pedals that came out since then. So it was kind of cool working can with you, them. Can you describe it? Can you describe the pedal for people who haven't heard it or know about sure. it? Sure. So it's a dual drive pedal. It's got two simple true bypass, uh, you know, boost and, and drive. And the problem with multi-effects boxes like that is you can't insert something in between or you can't put them in a, a, a you know, effect pedal switcher, an audio switching uh, device, um, if, if you can't get to each effect pedal separately. So if someone has a G2 gig rig switching system or a Boss, whatever it is, ME500, um, unless you have access to each effect independently. And how we do that is through uh, TRS cables and uh, a switching system inside. So you put the, you can switch the modes so that it can use TRS jacks and it allows you to get independent access to each of the effects if you have a switcher. So, or you can use it for an insert and uh, switch the order and all kinds of stuff like that. So just a little thing like that, but now that we've, we started incorporating it. Um, you know, we, it, it's helping us with our new design too, our new echo pedal and how we're dealing with switching and stuff like that. So again, lots, you know, just, it's, it's kind of fun when you're working for other pedal manufacturers or, or, or whatever um, entities that uh, it kind of forces you to do stuff that, that you hadn't accomplished for whatever reason. And now you have a different skill set, you know? Right. No, that's great. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, another question that popped in my head before you mentioned Satriani and Vi, you know, that you had interactions with them. Can you tell us about, um, different artists that you've worked with that, you know, that we may know and, you know, that'd be great to hear some stories. Man. Um, I, I've, I've just worked with just a few of them. You know, it, it's not, uh, Oklahoma's not a hub for, for, <laughs> For anything so it's like if they're on their way you know out of dallas or something like that then we might catch a tour so i don't get to i don't get to work with as many people as i as i would really like to but but uh uh we had uh larry lalonde of of primus come by the shop and we we tried to develop some sounds with with him mm-hmm. and we did a bunch of custom pedals for him that was a a blast and uh Weasel Zappa came by the shop and um, nice. I always like working with him. Um, I, you know, every once, every couple of years, he might need a little treble booster circuit or something to, to play with or his repaired. And, and so I, 
every once in a while I get to work with him and then um, had Jimmy Vaughn come by. Now he doesn't use any of my effects pedals, but the guys in his band do. Mm. And uh, so, you know, all, all different kinds of people. We built stuff for Peter Frampton for a while. I liked working with Peter Frampton and uh, nice. so, you know, Brad Paisley, John Mayer, you know, all kinds of cool, fun people, lots of, lots of new people now because now that my team is developed enough where I have a, a full-time artist relations guy, mm-hmm. um, it's Aaron Pierce who's in our, our, our videos and, um, and a full-time media guy. Now they can focus on building the relationships with these um, musicians and guitar players that, that I couldn't quite afford to manage all those different hats of trying to design, trying to run a company and artist relations being the cool chill hang that everyone wants to, <laughs> to have, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And yeah. so I have got, I've got a guy that is a absolute angel and represents the brand and just, you know, never messes up and is really cool. <laughs> and he handles the artist. So finally we, you know, I can do that. So I, I don't really, work with a lot of people <laughs> you know that's cool no but i, I mean, mean I, i'm sure i do I, I work with a lot of people but i don't i don't remember <laughs> right no i got you but i mean quite honestly i've seen your pedals on so many people's boards i mean the obviously the, the compressors on almost like every nashville guy's board <laughs> you know yeah. so it it's pretty successful it is yeah, and the I compressor think it, or the leveling amp or the bigger compressor or the <laughs> yeah and you know the the compressor uh, just hit sixty thousand sometime this summer or fall, and uh, so making sixty thousand of something is is kind of cool. It's, it's a lot of fun. I mean, usually something that sells between you know three thousand or five thousand, if it's if the serial numbers are that high, that's usually you know a pretty decent pedal, you know. But uh, the compressor continues to to do really well. Yeah, that's great. I actually mm-hmm. have one on the way, by the way. So you do. Yes, I do. The nice. old two two knob, though. I got it. I got it off a of reverb. I'm so, I know that that doesn't make you happy. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you know what? I, you, you have you have to be happy with that kind of stuff. The the guys at Reverb were saying we're looking at the at the sales of our Keeley stuff, and they said it was it was pretty balanced for what you would expect for used versus new and stuff like that. So mm. uh, I, I think Reverb's natural. You can't can't complain about that. <laughs> Yeah, it was, it, it, I guess that's it's an interesting question. Um, you know how how people feel about the resale. I know certain like in amps, um, small manufacturers can get killed with that. I don't know, Dave. Oh. What are your thoughts on what are your thoughts on that? On resale and used stuff. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I look at it sort of. You're always coming up with a new item, right? You're always coming up with a new thing. Well, you just need to top your old thing in order for you to stay relevant. <laughs> and have yeah. people continue buying, yeah. They continue buying, yeah, exactly. You know, so, um, Kat, I don't even know how many compressors you have now. Man, really, I I know it seems kind of funny. We really only have, I guess it's I guess it's four, but there's actually only. Um, you know, well, there's designs. the two knob, the original we, we, one, right? We, we don't make that one anymore. Okay. And then there's the, the limiting amp. Now, that one is really nice. That one is a precision instrument, and that's based on the That Corp um, IC. Yeah, I, like, 
I like that one a lot. That one's a good one. That that one that one does good, and and it's very similar. That's what we use in the compressor pro, right? So right. Um, that one just has the attack and release, and uh, the hard knee, soft knee. The the limiting app is like the guys that go on tour and want something at the end of their board to contain, you know, volume uh, shifts between different drive pedals or combinations pedals. They totally love it and they totally get that limiting app. That's that's like a perfect tool for for lots of people. Where whereas the the regular compressor uh, plus, that's kind of the continuation of the two knob and yeah. and uh, now with the blend control, of course, it makes sense to a lot of humbucker players because in, in the beginning, um, I hadn't uh, grabs grabs too hard. Oh yeah, no kidding. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't release it ever. Doesn't the two knob two knob is is the evolution of of kind of the the Dynacomp slash Ross, right? Right. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, right. Yeah. Mm. All I did was all I did to those was just make the the common suggested uh, power supply or biasing improvements, but um, uh, getting those transistors uh, ones that sounded good. You, actually, believe it or not, you can hear the difference in that little circuit there. If you have an old two knob compressor, you can hear certain you know squishy differences in the way that the circuit reacts, and so you know when people say they love their old two knobs still, I, I believe them, you know, yeah, but, sure. it does, but it doesn't work as well with humbuckers. That's interesting. I didn't, I didn't realize that. Yeah. Until, until you can kind of blend out some of that effect um, or until we made the change for the um, what's actually the release time, um, then it, then it doesn't get hung up on over compressing a humbucker. And so you can make it so that it releases quickly. So it, the notes, the next note, sounds punchier mm. and so that's one thing we did and uh finally gave into adding a blend control to it and mm. once we once we aced that one again another thing i kind of kind of stole from the the, the boss thing i st- stole it from an emphasis circuit how funny is uh i turned one of their emphasis controls uh circuits into a treble recovery circuit and uh then it finally sounded right to me when 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 you would take that tone control and that uh, blend control and uh, work it on our our new compressor plus, so that's when we made that change. When hmm. when I got that worked out, so very cool. I also um, the other pedal that really intrigued me was the um, and I'm, I have to look at it right here was the uh, thirty ms automatic double tracker. That was another. Um, a fun time in our DSP development mm-hmm. because, um, and I talk about this with Aaron a lot, trying to remember uh, who's who's got the better recollection of how we developed it, but um, he developed it. But uh, I came, I, he was telling me about, uh, we were talking about a chorus and in chorus, there is a delay with another signal and it's it's a short period of time. That, that time gets kind of moved around and that's what creates this kind of uh, this oscillator that creates this kind of chorusy sound that we all know. Mm-hmm. And when I was asking him, well, what's the fastest that we can get a delay time for? Because when I had done analog delays or cheaper digital delays, uh, uh, digital choruses, uh, I was, I had a problem with this fast delay time needed this number of milliseconds that seemed fast. Mm-hmm. And he says, Oh, we can go as fast as we want. And uh, 
uh, he said, you know, less than one millisecond. And I was like, oh, okay, well, that's really interesting. And as we're talking about trying to do a chorus, um, the, the subject of the Beatles came up and the subject of double tracking came up with, and I remember asking him, well, if we have a very short delay uh, line, can we actually run two? Can you make one go faster and then one go slower? Can you change the pitch and make the pitch go up and pitch go down? Do you know how to do that? And he was like, yeah. And, I, and I've been reading about, you know, double tracking and Ken Townsend and John Lennon. And I've been reading on this site how they, they did it. And, uh, you know, we were off to the races. And I thought, well, that really hasn't been done in a pedal because this was um, – and so I, I desperately tried to search for who had done a double-tracking type pedal, and I think we were kind of early on. Too bad we didn't have our signal routing skills down as much as I would have liked to. But that 30 milliseconds pedal is really cool because uh, we, we, we could start to add features and we could start to get really excited and start to daydream about stuff. So I wanted this pedal that had, like – you know, you could tune up, uh, up to, you know, uh, what was it? I don't even know if we went up to 30 cents or not, but you could tune up, you could, you could control another voice and you could detune that one Mm -hmm. by, by 10 cents, I think is what it was. And then you could set the delay of those other guitar players that we created, you know, uh, off by up to 30 milliseconds. And, um, then we sent, we send one dry signal out and we send out one wet signal of this guitar or two guitars that you created. And that stereo imaging was so cool to hear. And then to recognize how many times it had been used on recordings. And I was like, Oh wow, that's the sound. It's not, it's not chorus that I heard, but I knew I heard something mm-hmm. and I just had no idea what it was when, when we came out with the, the pedal and then, and then I hear, you know, Mike Herman's using it on a demo uh, for you're no good and a bunch of other songs that kind of had it too. I thought, wow, this is, this is really cool to have it in a box. And then we added reverb to it. So, you know, I thought it was like kind of the ultimate acoustic guitar rig where it had this double tracking for chorus. And then uh, the, the Abbey chamber reverb, we added a chamber reverb to it that we were trying to simulate from, Abbey Road Studio. So that was a a really cool time where we were able to at very, our very first kind of like have an idea that's not done in a pedal Mm. and we can put it together. That, so that was like that. And, and that was a really cool pedal then. Yeah. yeah. That's that sounds like a must have for me. I need to get it. That's uh, that's pretty cool. I've heard it before. It's good. Yeah. And, And now we have all the signal routing, issues because in the beginning it's so funny this is what happens when you think your own idea is good so in the beginning i thought okay i I just want to play like trey anastasio of fish and all i want is for this i want this second channel to come on and that's gonna that's gonna be you know something to drive this amp for a lead that's what i thought people were going to use the 30 milliseconds for as like a an almost like a signal uh splitter or something like that and they would use it for an effect to bring on the amp only when they wanted the pedal on well, that was so incredibly wrong. <laughs> no, no one wanted it that way. But, and we continued making them the wrong way. And uh, eventually uh, I learned that you know, the customer, when they turn the pedal off, they want both amps playing. They don't want to you know, have one amp die. And uh, so we had to, essentially we, we just gave everyone new, new pedals. That, and anyone that ever says, 
hey, this amp shuts off when I turn the pedal off. You know, we, we give them a new unit. But that, the 30 milliseconds was such a, a great learning experience for us and definitely helped get us to the level that we're at now. That's awesome. Now, does yeah. that pedal, do you recommend putting that in the loop? Uh, no, I don't think I'd recommend putting it in the loop. I mean, to, if you wanted to hear the stereo part of it, yes, I would recommend putting it in the loop if you're just a mono guitar player like I am most of the time. Then, like, I got this Supro uh, over here with an effects loop in it, and I would easily put the 30 milliseconds in there, sure, because you can still get the double tracker uh, effect, great effect, in mono, mm -hmm. um, and then that reverb. So you can have kind of like a, you know, one-stop, you know, chorus and reverb on one pedal in, in an effects loop, but it right. doesn't have to go there. Gotcha. That's cool. Good stuff. I'm going to go back to the chat. I don't know, Dave, if you saw any other questions. Oh, someone was commenting. Uh, Wyatt Benjamin Walker said uh, the Monterey Dark Side and uh, Loomer are amazing. How about Beatles in a box? Well, man, we got we we did half half that uh, that kind of chorus modulation part of it, but there's not a lot to chew on for effects pedals for the Beatles. That's that's what I've come to this in my mind. I've kind yeah. of come to that sad conclusion. I'm just like I don't have a lot I can offer you, <laughs> you know? So I don't really want to just go down that, that, that path, darn it. If I can't do it right. Mm -hmm. And I just don't think there's enough like, Hey, here's this great Harrison sound. Here's this one with, with an, enough options to make it worthwhile or to, yeah. you know, to be creative with. I, I just don't, I just don't have it. So darn it. No Beatles in a box. <laughs> well, um, Let's see. Oh, I want to make a mention. Big Mac, thanks for your support. Appreciate yep. it. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I got uh, a question Dave. for Dave. Can yeah. Ask? So now, now that you have amps and pedals for years now, yeah. is, is it two different uh, – is it two wildly different beasts? Or do you have to think about your product as like this two different armies that you have on different hemispheres? Or what is it like? Yeah, no, totally. Um, well, there's more hemispheres than that. There's a guitars too. <laughs> That's right. So, That's right. so oh my so god, a, a three hemispheres. Tri-spheres. Yeah, you got. And it. Uh, and eventually there'll be bass, maybe. Oh wow! <laughs> so, oh. Um, uh, well, I say maybe because it's not anywhere close to being ready. Um, I guess it's different. I mean, I guess I just kind of target kind of an idea for a pedal that I want to do mm -hmm. in my head and then figure out how the hell we're doing it. Right. And, uh, you know, it's like, well, I want to boost with this kind of feature set or I want something with something. Um, you know, it's just, just like you, just like figuring mm -hmm. out your idea in your head and then yep. how, to, how to accomplish it in the end in this little box. You know, and, then, <laughs> and then what does it look like? And then what's it? Then what is it called? I know, right? You go down that rabbit hole, and, and yeah. So, I, and, I and, and whenever you start bringing up names in my my world, uh, uh, people go crazy. <laughs> <laughs> they they go crazy. They give me lots of ideas. Yeah, I bet <laughs> that, I, that I that that I'm pretty much shying away from these days a little bit. So yeah, um, I get that. You know, trying trying to do. You know, the funny thing is, even if I come up with a normal name, they still think it means something. 
Right. It's got a hidden meaning. It's got a hidden meaning, know. right? It's just like, what does pearl, golden pearl mean? I go, right. well, I saw, I saw Henning. It, Henning was oh, like, Golden oh. pearl me means nothing. <laughs> yeah. Wait, I'm what did sure Henning, Henning say? Hen, in, Henning, in one of Henning's videos, he said something like, uh, Dave says the golden pearl doesn't mean anything or something like that. But uh, yeah, it means something. We know it does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I swear to God, it means nothing. There, there is actually like jewelry that they have a golden pearl, but it doesn't really. It doesn't mean anything. It right. sounds, it sounds like it means something, but it doesn't mean anything. Right, and I, and I get, and I get the the no more tears wah because the crybaby wah. Yeah, no more tears. I get that. Yeah, yeah, that, like that. that that shouldn't offend anybody. No, 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 no. <laughs> so our small box head. Well, you know they. They they seem to think that's something bad, but really, they, it's, it's named after the old Marshall Small Box series of amps. Right, you know the small head box known as a small box. <laughs> that's Honestly, the first time. It's really, that's the first time I thought about that. Oh it's my God. really, it's really, yeah, yeah, yeah. Came up, <laughs> came up a couple times. It got a little uncomfortable. Uh, uh, it came up and in England when I was doing a clinic. <laughs> and this guy's wife who was there asked me the questions about the names. Yeah. The- <laughs> no. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, yeah, but that, I mean, she didn't really have any problems with him. <laughs> it's just, it's just, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and she asked about the small box? Uh, yes, I do believe. I believe that was where that got asked. Yeah. Uh huh. Wow. <laughs> And then I had to actually explain what it was. <laughs> <laughs> of course, now see people are getting now people are getting so um, the younger crowd has no idea what a small box is. Right. They just don't. They don't know. So I mean. But it's going back to the they, old. They don't. They don't know a lot of things. But you know. Right. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. Um. um. I think we're losing. I, I, I get the feeling over time um, that for as much information we have with the internet and everything that exists today that didn't exist when I was growing up or Robert or you, yourself, um, I almost feel like we're losing knowledge. Like people, uh, you would think, you know, the internet is this vast, vast wealth of knowledge. But there's a lot of things that are, are actually disappearing from the internet now hmm. that, that uh, I found uh, maybe like uh, in earlier days of the internet, there was more technical knowledge in, in our field mm-hmm. about amps and guitar amps and like, right. you know, you, user, uh, like, uh, remember, of course, you probably remember Usenet news groups and stuff. Yeah, and, those bulletin board groups. And boy, man, they were, went crazy on there with all sorts of knowledge and stuff. And now go try to find that same stuff these days. Right. You know, uh, it doesn't exist. And I almost feel like, uh, and, and some of the questions I get asked on a daily basis, um, I, I literally want to bang my head against the wall because they are the most fundamental basics for a guitar player that I've ever run into. And, and they just don't know them. They don't know the answer. I'm sure you get them too. Oh yeah, man. I mean, yeah. like you, 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 you like you like re- reread the email a couple times, and you're like, <clears throat> "Is he really asking me this?" <laughs> I, really? Know I, have to, I have to reread them sometimes, and 
reread my own answers and chill out a little bit. It is kind of funny because it seems like uh, it seems like you either had buddies or you had some other way to work out the information, like Dave's saying, where it seems like uh, we're losing some sort of part of the information or part of the knowledge through the internet. Yeah, it seems yeah. like when we were more, you know, when we had to interact together to get the job done to play music, it seemed like you learned more mm-hmm. or you were trying to learn more instead of maybe the, I'll look it up on YouTube type of attitude uh, later on. Yeah. <clears throat> and then the problem is some of these, you know, groups or forms or different things go away and then you, uh, mm. then the information is lost. And then it, there's not like, you know, yeah. unless you saved it, there's not an archive of it somewhere. Yeah. 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 Harmony Central, I think, is a perfect example of something where there was lots and lots of useful information. Yeah. And yeah. it seems like it's, if it's not gone, it seems like it's not as accessible, like you're yeah. saying. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but you I, know I what it that, is. I, I think that in, there's a lot of things that are like that in this world, though. I mean, you know, I think, you know, like houses used to be plastered. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and now try to find someone who can plaster a house <laughs> and do it well. Right. Yeah. And, and that isn't 80 years old <laughs> or, or 75 years old, you know, um, uh, I, you know, there's some, there's some craft uh, and some uh, fine crafts that have been lost over the years and, you know, try to find oh. people lay terrazzo flooring. Try to find people to do anything on your house is pretty hard. Yeah. <laughs> Someone I mean, to show up just to show yeah. up. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But yeah, I mean, all, all of these, I mean, even watchmakers, right? Watch mm-hmm. repair yeah. people. These are, these are skills that are just being lost, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know? Or on, and then, and then, you know, like a lot of skills are being lost, like even like in, in, in younger people, even how to use certain tools and things like that, because, it's not in it's like when we were kids, we we're messing around with tools and building things and doing stuff. And now it's, it's more of a computer based, you know, uh, life, so to speak. And, uh, and, and I wonder, I, I always, I always wonder. Um, so if something really, uh, a catastrophe really happens and, and all this stuff goes away, mm. You know, will people just be standing in the middle of the streets going in circles, not knowing which way to go or what to do? Uh, you know, it's like, I can't, I can't, you know, I, uh, how do you, uh, I find a good one. I, I don't know, you know, well, I, I, I can't, you know, I can't get any money out of the bank. Yeah. I can't, uh, how do, how, wait, how am I going to pay for this? Yeah. I don't have Uber. How am I going to get a ride? How am I going to get a ride? How how am I going to, you know, I I think we're losing some stuff and I don't think that's a very good thing, you know. And, and that's I'm not even thinking of a really good one, a real simple one, you no. know. Like, no, you know I, it, it's like really so, like how how do I read a map? Well, that's the one I was thinking you know? of, Dave. I was thinking yeah. the, the you you start getting into your phone and and you start doing GPS stuff and next thing you know, you're not capable of getting out of the parking lot unless you have like the address of the next place you're going, you know, exactly. Or how, uh, you know, how do you do, uh, you know, addition, subtract, traction, longhand, yeah. or how do you do division longhand <laughs> or how do you oh. do, you know, multiplication longhand? Yeah. If or someone asked me to do that right longhand. now, that would be, I would be 
loss if I had to do like a long <laughs> long fraction right now. Oh, I couldn't do a fraction either, so don't feel bad. Or a long, uh, you know, long division. Long division, I have forgotten kind of too. Yes. Yeah. Oh my god. Uh, I could do the others, but. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's. I and mean, then I... there's and then there's like newer the 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 newer math that the kids do and stuff. And have you ever yeah, so weird. some of that stuff? And like the explanations of how they're going about it, I I literally look at it and go. Why the hell would they go to this much trouble to get this simple answer when all you do is this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, I've seen those examples too. And I, I tell you, I can't figure them out. I can't understand what they're doing. Why, no, why they would go through those either. steps? Why, why so? Why so? I don't understand the steps. There's too many steps. It's much easier to just do it the way we were taught. Mm-hmm. I don't. I, I think I don't so. see the purpose. And they have to show their work and use this method. Yeah, it's so weird. <laughs> Yeah, very strange. strange. Don't you ask sound, me. I'll, sound, I'll be just looking at the paper, going, "I don't know." Ask your mom. That's yeah. That's exactly. <laughs> <laughs> or let me get you a tutor. I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah no yeah, doubt. I have no idea. <laughs> that's so funny. Um, hey, someone said L. Scott Music said I still have a Thomas guide in my truck. You should keep it for emergencies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you never exactly. know. You never know. Uh, you know. Oh, yeah, wow. Someone else goes, oh, Robert Baker. He goes, I live in Ohio. I've been preparing for that for a moment in my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, so, Robert Baker. Hey, Robert. Um, yeah. I'm just like, I, I don't know. I just, yeah, that's a weird thing that I think about sometimes. Yeah, Metal Dad says, exactly, Dave. Cannot find a plasterer here in Chicago. It's pretty much a dead craft. Yeah, Brent Harmon. Millennials are the ones that are really screwed if technology goes away. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Shoot, that's that's one of the reasons I've been kind of getting into uh, woodworking and having fun with it because you you have to kind of detach from technology. You have to kind of stay mm-hmm. grounded into making something. Not not that I don't have enough stuff to do at work, but it, it is kind of fun to step away from from this technology and try to do something with your hands. When I think of when I think of these young kids, I think they should get to using their hands a lot more. But that's just well, me. No, I agree. Todd, Todd, I agree Flower, Todd Flowers goes, they can't read historical documents because they don't know cursive writing. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> the whole cursive thing, I, I you know. Is that, so that's not, that now. So this isn't taught anymore, huh? Are you serious? No. It's not? No. no. Cursive isn't taught anymore, is it? Wow! In certain schools, my son said that he he learned it, but um, yeah, my daughter barely learned it. Wow! And uh, and and also um, like mailing a letter, like how to mail a letter. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, 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 exactly. Like, huh? <laughs> Actually, yeah. it's it's so hard. I remember there's one guy wanted me to send me the send him this sticker I had for my rack systems company and. And I'm, he's like, oh, please, I want to put it in the back of my amp. Please send it. And I'm like, okay, uh, I will. And my problem was is that I didn't have any stamps. And he kept bugging me and bugging me. And I go, look, here's my problem. <laughs> <laughs> I have to actually go and make a special trip to the post office to buy stamps to mail your sticker when I haven't used a stamp in like two years. <laughs> so, or longer. Or, you know, or once a year it happens, one stamp, right. you know. Uh, 
and only because I can't do it any other way, you know. And uh, in fact, the same thing is coming up. I have to I have to mail something tomorrow. I'm like, God, really? <laughs> yeah, I just go to the post office and bring everything with me. I wonder when the post office will go out of business. Is what I want. They're not, bro. I I just spoke to my postal person. Um, Amazon is killing them. Amazon is overloading the postal service. Uh, I think I think Amazon is the one that's really keeping the postal service alive. It yeah. is pretty strange how how the post office jumps to the tune of Amazon. I mean, I see, and I'm sure you guys have seen it for years longer than I have, where you, you got people that aren't even in a uniform delivering mail on a Sunday, mm-hmm. and you're and you're like, are you really supposed to be here? You know. Uh, you know, I can't even tell. Or you yeah. have people that just drive up to you in civilian clothes and a car, and they're handing you an Amazon package. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh. Yeah, they have side people delivering. They also have the post office delivering. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I this morning at 7.30, I had packages delivered to the house. One of them the was an Amazon package. At 7.30 in the morning, the doorbell rang. Wow. The slow death of all other stores. <laughs> it is. Well, stores. actually, you know what? Let me I, let me tell you something. I I, I was forced uh, this weekend to go have to go to Target for something, mm-hmm. and um, I literally pulled in the parking lot, and I'm looking at the parking lot, going, "Oh my God, there's no parking spots." <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, like, it's the worst time to go right now, though. None. So I actually yeah. left and went to a different store. But in the, <laughs> end, in the end, in the end, I had to come back and, oh, and, I, no. had, and I had to go in. And then when I went in, they didn't have what I needed. Mm. So, but I was forced to go in, and literally, I couldn't get the, where the checkout counters are. You couldn't walk down that aisle past them; they were so full up. I'm just looking at it, going, "Oh my God, I want to leave! <laughs> I want to leave right now!" Thank God for Amazon. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can I just get delivered with Prime to my door tomorrow? Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's, but, that's, and I find myself doing that all the time now. It's just like a click, click, click. Okay, it's gonna be here tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, and it, it it is. So. Yeah, late night Amazon buying is dangerous. <laughs> I I found myself in that hole. I'm like, oh, let me look up some shirts. Yeah. You know. Uh, it's so funny. You know, let's go back to the chat and see if there's questions. Um, how you doing on time, Robert? We're uh, an hour now. Yeah, we got. I got a good ten more minutes, fifteen more minutes. Does that sound good to you guys? Sounds sure. good. All right. Um, so I'm going to jump around see if we have some questions here. Um, Robert, Baker, I'm pretty sure every question I ask Dave is one of the, those questions. I'm not sure what he means by that. <laughs> uh travis posey the no more tears wah you know at first i i agree with you the no more tears wah kind of confused me at first i associated with zach wild and ozzy when i first saw it i was like no more tears ozzy what yeah i did have that feeling too dave that was and and then it went and then it went oh Right. Well, right. I was like, why would he name a pedal after anything Ozzy's doing? Well, technically, the name is the Gold Seventy Two Wah. Right. No more tears series. So, which of course means there'll be different Wahs down the future. Right. Twice the punishment. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, so 
what's the what's the official name or what's the actual name it's the gold 72 i love that gold 72 that's pretty yeah. cool and it, you know what it's funny it really didn't mean too much at first it rolled off the tongue nicely mm -hmm. and uh and it was sort of i was shooting for more of an early 70s walk kind of uh, tonality not like an early 60s not like a late 60s one so mm -hmm. uh it, it fit in the end that's cool I think the No More Tears thing came first, but then it's like, well, what if you want to do a second one? Hmm. <laughs> that should be the series, and then you do a second name. You know? Right, exactly. All the stupid things you think of when you're starting naming things. Now that oh won't work. Oh, my gosh. And, and then you're like, oh, crap, another company has that. God dang it. I know. By the time Just you when you decide, it. that's the best one, that's great, and you look it up, and you're like, oh. Already taken. Sir, use that. Can't do that. Okay. <laughs> No, I, I've, I've had a horrible time trying to come up with names uh, recently. It seems like everything I pick, you know, a month later, I'm like, oh, my God, that's horrible. Well, I can't imagine saying that for the, you know, for the next five years. <laughs> so there me, I'm pimping another bad name. So <laughs> are, there, are there names of pedals currently that you have that you're like, oh, God, I wish we had named that differently? No, I, I've just had a, just an exceedingly difficult time chasing chasing myself in circles because I, I had it in my head that I was going to do like these musical names, like things that were musical terms, like maybe Italian things. So I'm like, okay, there's aria, there's duet, there's all kinds of you know, there's you know, pianissimo, there's there's all these cool words, colorful words. But the problem is, you know, who wants a pedal series with a bunch of you know, <laughs> Italian you know, kind of sounding names. It doesn't fit. You know, you end up having to force your product into this kind of mold. So I took off on that path where I was thinking, well, maybe I'll have my pedals named like this mm -hmm. to give some cohesion to the brand or something. But uh, it never does work that way. With pedals, they're just kind of a strange mix of stuff, you know, and, and sometimes a crazy name fits. Sometimes a crazy name is just really bad, you know? So <laughs> Dave knows this stuff more just as much as I do, you know, mm. naming, naming stuff and naming conventions and, and, and stuff like that. When you, you know, it, it can be a pain to try to, uh, I don't know, be creative. Well, and, and then you got to check trademarks and then you got to, uh, yeah. 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 It's, it is strange coming up with names like that. Yeah. And then not only do you have to check trademarks, you got to actually see if someone actually has used it in trade. Uh, <laughs> Which is hard because uh, because if someone used it in trade, it could still be an issue, even if it's not trademarked. And mm. I have a question for you guys, for both you guys. What do you think of this trend of pedals that are coming out that are not labeled what they are? So, like, like, uh, like even like some JHS pedals and oh, um, like the Morning Glory, and it's just like a little squiggle or something on. Huh? Yeah, and like even just Earthquaker pedals, they don't say what they are. Well, Earthquaker they pedals ha have a name on them. They have a name, but I don't necessarily know if they... Maybe I'm thinking of a different brand. Oh, like but, they don't say Overdrive or... Right, it doesn't say Overdrive or yeah, dis Distortion or re Delay or... Well, I mean, I think a lot of things are that way. Yeah? Well, I mean... I, I did... I, I remember a time going... Hey, I can't tell what this pedal is and blah, 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 blah. But I realized that a lot of guitar players and a lot of youthful guitar players, you know, don't really think in terms of 
it has to be labeled this way or it has to be obvious. And sometimes they like the fact that it's, you know, just not there in, in this, you know, overdrive. It's, it just says something else. And so <laughs> I kind of was like thinking the same way. I was like, man, I'm, I want to look back on this this instrument or this tool and I want to know what it does. You know, I don't want it to be tied to a certain mm-hmm. time frame, but that's not how every other consumer thinks, you know? And so sometimes. Yeah. I'm, I'm more of the traditionalist where like, you know, I wanted the pedal to say what it is. I don't know why, but I'm just so. Hey Mark, I thought I'd tell you this, but every time you move, I think you hit the chair that your guitar is on behind you. I think the Les Paul's going to die like any second now. <laughs> it's and, like, and there it is. It's going. This, this would be great entertainment to see the headstock snap off. But uh, you know, uh, I keep on thinking away. Thing is, I'm not so sure that you're going to be happy about that, though. I know the entertainment value. It's well secure on there, but I, I, I appreciate the concern. Thank you. Into <laughs> it. We're concerned. No. no, I don't want that to happen. Trust me, that's one of my pride and joys. So that would be bad. Um, all right, let's jump back. Uh, Dave from Eddie Van Hendricks. Uh, any um, update on the Freeman speakers? How did your final listening go? I didn't do it yet. Ah, okay. So no update. Okay. I'm, try- I'm trying to get to it. I I've been trying to recover for about a week from my my trips and then Thanksgiving and everything else. So yeah. Um, it took about a week to feel actually kind of back to normal. I can only imagine how difficult it would be to audition speakers. Is that what, is that what is going on? This guy's oh, asking about yeah, auditioning. yeah, no, we, yeah, we have a, a, a Celestian that might be coming out. Um, and I have to do a final listening test after I've lived, lived with it for quite a while. I want to do one more like A B listening kind of environment. Yeah. So I make sure I'm not you know insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I hear you. That. Just like because you can like after you live with things for a while, sometimes you're like, oh, I wish I would have done this. Mm-hmm. You know. So. Oh yeah. I, in other words, the speaker will not come out unless I am entirely a hundred percent. Yeah, let's do this. <laughs> so. Right. Well, that's the way it should be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Brian Landreth says, please say thanks to Robert for such outstanding customer service. He goes above and beyond. Shoot. That's, that's very kind of that guy to say, but I can, I can recall several, many numerous times I've lost my cool with customers. (laughs) So (laughs) I I, I think, I think that's customer service based on, I'm trying to make up for the last time I (laughs) told some dude buzz off. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's basically yeah. So now you're 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 treating it differently. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Yes. So, but but thank you. We do we do try to make sure we treat people really stand you know right. So that's awesome. I think everybody does. Uh, Dan of New Jersey says your compressor sounds so well with a telly. Man, you know that's that's the oldest picture you can find of of, of my compressor or my business is a Telecaster, a Tweed amp. And uh, the, com- the my first compressor there, and they do sound good together. I- I'm I'm kind of oh, really proud of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So of course. that's great. Yeah. Thank you, totally. thank you, totally. Uh, Randy Rosenblum, great show, guys. It's my favorite gear show. Thanks for saying that, Randy. Uh, by the way, he's my cousin, so um, <laughs> so I paid him for that. But uh, thanks, buddy. Um, 
let's see, uh, Dan. Oh, he also said, I love your compensator. I have a model with a painted heart. Compensator? Oh, I think he's saying compressor. Maybe just okay. auto-corrected. But he's got one with a pink heart on it, huh? That's what he said, yeah. We had we had some that were done for variety of causes. Oh, that's nice. Cancer awareness type things. Mm-hmm. And we've, we've had some hearts on there that were tattoo-related, like Ed Hardy type art, you know? Yeah. So I, I don't know which one he has, but thank you. Uh, Travis Posey says, is that a DGT behind Robert? DGT. I'm not sure what DGT is. I'm feeling bad because I don't know a DGT is. <laughs> Neither do I. It's a Paul Reed Smith. This is a K-line. Uh, this is a, kind of a, a mutt. Uh Frankenstrat and Eric Clapton one. I don't know what a DGT, darn it. Is that a pedal or something or no? Or? I don't know. Hmm. No, that's a Gretsch. I got a Gretsch there, a Milkman. I don't know about a DGT yet. What's the head behind, uh, sitting behind you? Is that a head? This, oh, is that a head? Uh, the one by, beneath, like, by, by the oh. chair. The one that has the pedals. Yeah, that's a full Fender combo, another Fender, Gretsch, a Dr. Z down here. I'm oh, that's kidding. what I was thinking, the Dr. Z, yeah. Oh, okay, and then a box and some more stuff. So it's just a hodgepodge of stuff. It, usually if it, oh, if DGT it's, is the PRS guitar. Oh. Gold top, oh. something gold top. Yes. This is, this is a McCarty. Mm-hmm. That's gorgeous. And uh, I don't know if you can see this, but uh, back in the oh. D- oh, this is oh, it's not a gold top, so it's a it's a flame super sustain. Natural. Yeah, the the cool thing is um, Paul Reed Smith signed this one back in I don't know two thousand four, two thousand three when mm-hmm. I first met him. So kind kind of one of the few things that survived my divorce was that guitar. So kind of proud of that one. That guitar is gorgeous. <laughs> It is <laughs> awesome. It's a really awesome guitar. Yeah, yeah, beautiful. Um, let's take. Let's just see if there's any other questions, and then we will let you run. Um, oh, uh, Nigel Nunez says, "Any dual ODs on the cards, Robert? Perhaps dual a tube, tube screamer and a hot rodded plexi with a stackable independent, a la the DNM drive." He says. I know. I really want to do another. Um, dual drive or distortion drive type of thing. So I'm, I'm interested in your ideas. You should email them to me and tell me what you think. I, I do have a dual pedals. I do like the idea of stacking effects. So we've got a dual pedal that has, has a drive in it, not a dual thing. But I'm always looking for those good combos. Like I, like I said earlier, that DNM pedal with Dan and Mick is a perfect example of something I would not have done at all. Mm-hmm. And, and it just sounded like a good idea, especially when I – heard it too you know so send me your ideas <laughs> he, he did mention it there <laughs> that's cool yeah yeah so definitely um oh, cool. yeah nigel email uh robert um yeah. oh my wife was in the chat hey april what's up um uh when is okay zapadan 2000 when is the echo delay flange thingy coming that is coming in at the nam show and uh he's saying that echo flange thing, because that, that was a name for it for a while, the echo flange. Um, but that's one of those sounds, again, that I was daydreaming about. H- hadn't seen it done anywhere like this. So 
Um, that's that's also that the thing that is going to be uh, we're going to present that as our first stereo delay stereo in out delay platform. We took a big huge step. We've been working on this new DSP processor for like two and a half years now, and the board's taken about a year is taken a year to develop as well. So um, we just got um, we're there. So it's gonna we're going to show it at the NAM show. We've got all the pieces working out. We're just working out little details now, like. How, how, how do we switch presets? How do we set min and max on expression pedals and, you know, control and stuff like that. So that is coming soon. Sweet. Yep. Cool. Sweet. I got, I got one Mark. Mark here has uh, asked uh, Dave, any NAM hints for new or updated products? I think I've brought this up before. So there's, uh, I can't go into total details. There is the BE 100 deluxe that's coming out. Uh, with a different feature set than the BE50 Deluxe. Um, there will be the um, couple new guitars. That's cool. Uh, guitar models, uh, which I can't really say more about. And, I, saw, uh, I saw one was was leaked a little bit on Instagram. Oh, yeah, it was. Which one was leaked? The Cali Elite. Oh, that we already do that currently. Oh, do you do? Yeah, we do those currently. So that's just kind of a fancy Cali. It's a maple topped Cali with a fancy finish on it. Oh, I thought that was, uh, I thought that was new for Nam. Okay. No, we 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 done a couple before. We we haven't put it into full production, but yeah. Gotcha. Uh, those. Uh, we also have uh, another amplifier, which I can't say yet. The tw- it's a twenty watt amplifier, but I can't say. Oh, that any, sounds any cool. more, any more than that. Um, and. Uh, Two guitars and two amps. I, I do believe that's it because we just finally released our pedals that we showed last year now. So right. uh, we're yeah. going to play a little catch-up here. And the Mike No Mo is coming? Uh, Mike No More, actually, yeah, that's finally so – got to check on that, see where that's at. But, yeah, I think that's that's finally coming. And the pickups are already actually have been released now. Yeah, I saw somebody somebody recently posted them. Oh. Yeah, put them in his PRS. Uh, there's another new pickup, too. That we'll have at the show. Oh, Man, you got a you got a full schedule. <laughs> yeah, cool. the problem is, is like a lot of times, like we'll we'll do like too many products at release at once, and then we're playing catch up, and then it doesn't get done fast enough, and everyone's bitching. So yeah, so uh, several of the products will be literally shipping at Nam. Mm, that's not great. like not showing it at Nam, and hopefully shipping. It's. Uh, it's either they'll either actually technically be, be released at NAM or within the 30 days following NAM. Right. Most likely, it'll be the end of February. They'll actually uh, is will be the release date, and uh, that's great. But meanwhile, we'll be able to ship to dealers right following NAM during that month. So, because dealers got to get it in stock, yes. and then you re- and then you release it, and then inevitably, there's always a dealer that releases it early. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. No matter how many times you tell them not to. Yeah. <laughs> there's there's a couple that sneak out. Oh yeah. And then you got to smack them on the wrist. <laughs> and uh you know if you, and then you know well then they just don't get pedals as quickly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when am I going to get those? Well, uh, yeah, yeah, 30 days or so. Mm-hmm. Follow the rules. Follow the rules, please. Follow the rules, please. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, here's another question for uh, Robert, and then I think we could probably let you go. Um, it says, I'm going back to the Dan and Mick pedal. So it's, are you going to continue making that pedal? Uh, and just wondering when end of life would be for something like that product. I imagine if it's doing well, you're going to keep, keep going. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally uh, happy with doing that one. And uh, talked to Daniel just a few days ago. And uh, we're brainstorming uh, more pedals in this, you know, Dan and Mick type series or, or things like that. Uh, so as far as I'm aware and concerned, we're going to be doing this one for quite a long time. I think it's a, a great combo. So Awesome. You know, let's yes. take one last question. Yeah, from, please. From, from Mark. Uh, not, not me, but he asked, asked Robert about his work on the Chase Bliss Dark World Reverb. It sold out overnight until, and the Keeley side uh, is hailed as the best part of the pedal. Hmm. Well, man, that is something I'm so glad you asked about because working with Joel Corti is uh, amazing. He's Chase Bliss. And he had an idea where he wanted to combine um, standard reverb sounds, worldly ones, you know, ones that you hear uh, quite often. And then he wanted to combine crazy stuff and he involved us for the stuff that was on the world side of the pedal and that that dude and a videographer came out and we got to talk sounds and he got to hear some of the stuff that we were working on in my office and uh then him and my dsp guy continued to work together and and nailed down these sounds and yeah joel was telling me that he had like unparalleled success with that first pedal and that um, he uh, just had you know huge then back orders after he sold out like the first thousand, and uh, so he was really happy with it. And uh, I was like, "You did a lot better than than my latest release." <laughs> so, um, you know, uh, good good for him. And that that Chase Bliss pedal is is just great because of the way Joel combines uh, all these different feature sets. You know, like the the little. The, the MIDI stuff and and the different oscillators, the different wave shapes, the different blah, 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 blah. All that stuff that you can control so well with a Chase Bliss design. And uh, he did it on the reverb. So he, he finally, uh, you know, he finally found the, the perfect way to uh, address the fact that his customers wanted a reverb pedal. And he couldn't do it with the uh, analog, hard, digital mind type thing completely. So he had to manipulate that a little bit and and he, i think he came up with a killer product because the way he combines uh both of the reverb sounds hmm. we got to use that same reverb in not that say not the exact same reverb but we got to use a similar reverb in um, the milkman amplifier and hmm. uh that the amp i think is the actual name for it and uh so we've had a lot of success with the with our reverbs i know we put a lot of time and effort into them and and talk about all the the magic that happens in a little teeny, you know, reverb trail <laughs> that yeah. lasts a fraction of a second. You know what I mean? But there's yeah. lots of magic that happens there. There is, right? Yeah, that's an important sound. Um, well, I, I want to thank you so much, Robert, for coming. Oh on. man, you guys are great. This is this is a lot of fun. I I, I really would like to come out and visit Dave. Um, is it possible? Uh, and are you are you anywhere near the Nam show? Is your shop? Are you guys are you guys that close? Or are you just? Um, uh, I mean, do you come out earlier? 
you know, I've actually been uh, working with a guy, uh, with my guys to come out there a couple days earlier, like almost a, you know, three or four days earlier or something like that, possibly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you could come by the, the boutique factory if you want. Mm-hmm. Well, that'd be uh, great, man. I can't wait it's to not, see it. It's not too far. Uh, that's in LA. So um, it's a little bit closer to Anaheim yeah. than, than, uh, than not. So it's not too bad. That's cool, man. Yeah. I, no, just I, just hit me up. Just hit me up somewhere. Sure. Friedmanamps at Gmail is my email, so easy to remember. Uh, hit me up, and I'll, we can hook that up. Yeah, I'd love to to hang out with you and check out your shop and stuff like that. That's so fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I can't For wait sure. to see your new it. guitars, too. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, I'm sure it'll be a little bit crazy right around then. But, yeah, I don't uh, feel like I shouldn't have imposed, but, uh, man. No, it, it'll be it'll be okay. Uh, the funny thing is, too, you you you'll get to see the factory is doing a little bit of moving and restructuring over the last yeah. couple months, so uh, we'll be set up even a little bit better than we were before. So that's cool. Yeah, I like it. I'll set you guys up. I'll, I have your email, Robert, so I'll give you Dave's Please. stuff. So you yeah, guys yeah, for sure. Just come on out, no problem. Very and uh, we'll and we'll see you at Nam definitely. I'd love to meet you in person, Robert. Great, great, great. And, yeah. Uh, and uh, if you don't mind, Robert, tell tell the folks how they can reach you uh, or where people can find your products and all that stuff. Sure. I mean, my email is keely.robert at gmail, but you can go to the website. A website you can go to robertkeely.com, or you can go to rkfx.com, and. Yeah, lots of retailers and stuff like that, but check us out on the website. Awesome. Yeah. Great. I really appreciate you coming on. It was a lot of fun. Um, Thank you so much. Yeah, no, you're awesome. Um, We have a couple other guests coming up before the end of the year uh, for folks who want to mark it down on your calendar. We've got December 11th uh, is Josh from JHS is going to be on with us. Uh, for a little bit in the afternoon, so that's going to be a um, very cool special time, quite early special time. Yeah, yeah, three three p.m. Eastern time, twelve p.m. Pacific time, um, and then cool. December twenty third, we got uh, Robert Baker. It's going to come on with us. So Robert's our last guest for the year, and then January eleventh, uh, before Nam, if that works for you, Dave. I haven't confirmed it with you yet, um, although I think you said it was all right. Uh, with Zvex, Zachary Vex. Oh, cool. Yeah, sure. You got Josh Scott and then Zvex. How awesome is that? Yeah, man. It's, uh, you know, you got everyone. Yeah, yeah forget all the cool ones. Well, then we'll, have, then we'll get uh, Jamie from Earthquaker too. And mm-hmm. then, oh wow! Uh, that that he doesn't know it yet, but that's coming. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's awesome. awesome. That's awesome. And thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Please hit subscribe and yeah. uh, and hit the like button and uh, check out your Keeley Electronics. They make some amazing pedals, really awesome pedals. And uh, I, I, actually, I actually have to uh, get more on my pedal board. So, um, Robert, stay with us uh, while we close up the show. And um, everybody have a great night, great week. And Bye, we'll everyone. talk to you soon. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Dave. Thanks.